I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons. 2 Corinthians 6, 18. I got a gift from God sitting in the backseat. And I'm going to need to be a little better if he's going to want to be like Hello, and welcome back to the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. I am Brett Etheridge, host of the podcast, joined, as always, by my co-host, Perry Hughes. Perry, welcome. Thanks. Happy to be here this morning, Brett. Yeah, where, where are you coming from today? Today, I am in Little River, South Carolina, which is right on the North South Carolina line. I'm actually um, sitting in my in-laws' house uh, for the recording today, and um, hopefully we'll be out maybe on the beach or out on the boat this afternoon. Pretty good times. See, I, I feel boring. Like unless, <laughs> <laughs> unless I say otherwise, you guys can just assume I'm in my house in Knoxville, Tennessee, and, and that's kind of it. Perry, Perry's all over the place living the life. Although, once your kids, when do you guys, you homeschool, right? We do. Yeah. So we were, uh, we were actually at the dock fishing last night. My two oldest, well, my oldest most of the time. And then my second born showed up later, but one of the uh, men, I think there's quite a few retired men that live in this community. They love to fish. They're always out on the dock fishing and stuff. And we'll kind of get into that more a little bit later. But one of the, one of the old guys uh, looked at JP and said, Hey, uh, when, cause it was late last night. When are you going to start? Where do you start back school? And JP's like, ah, I'm homeschooled, so it's like no big deal. We're probably gonna start. We're probably gonna start school back like on the sixth. And the and the old guy was like, mm, all right, cool. You know, <laughs> I'm sure in his head he's thinking like, this kid's out. You know, ten thirty at night on a school night. Yeah. What's the deal? You know. Well, that's so. what I was getting at. I mean, at some point you guys hunker down, buckle down, and I imagine it's a lot better for them to have the routine of being at home for schooling. Although in theory, I mean, you could go to the coast and you could school them there as well. So. Anyway, that is one of the privileges. And, you know, there is a lot to be said about having home base. And I do think that's an important part of the kids, you know, being able to feel some sense of normalcy, some uh, rhythm, some, you know, scheduling things. But then there's also that sense of like, well, it just feels home and feels secure to like be in your house. But I think there's value in that. But then also on the flip side of that coin, a lot of times I try to think about like, well, maybe it's better to even strip that down to where the kids feel like their sense of security and their sense of home is our family structure. And it doesn't matter where we are, that they they feel at home because of the family structure. And then I think, well, maybe we strip that down even farther and go, well, our sense of home is my relationship with God the Father. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be this house that we live in. It doesn't have to be this family unit that I'm raised in, but I am with the father. Therefore I feel home safe, grounded, you know, and then whatever's happening in the world around us doesn't matter because frankly, those things can change. I mean, you know, uh, but, but our, but our grounding and our sense of security in the father is, is never going to change. So I do think about stuff like that too, you know? Well, that that's interesting you bring that up because that's actually something I've been thinking about that I want to di- discuss on this episode. So let me sort sure. of set the stage for what we're going to do. We, <laughs> I, I love it. We just kind of show up and talk. But, uh, but we have an interesting sort of show today. And what we're going to do is we are going to preview and really sort of talk through some introductory thoughts and ideas around a book that we're going to be going through on this podcast called Fathered by God by John Eldridge. 
And so, so like I said, today we're just going to talk about some of the general general themes that he exposes in the book, share some of our thoughts on a few things. And, and then in future episodes, what we're going to do is we're going to sort of go chapter by chapter and talk about the different stages of really the initiation into, into manhood and what it means to father our own kids through the different stages and, and whether or not we have been correctly fathered through the different stages. And we're going to have some interesting people on to talk about uh, different aspects of the book. And so I would encourage you, if you're listening to this and you've never read that, or maybe it's been a while, grab a copy. I'll, uh, I'll throw a link in the show notes below. Just grab a copy and and start reading it. And it's not like we're going to do an episode on the book every single week for you know the next few months. We'll, we'll get back to them here and there. Um, but I think it'll be fun to kind of go through. But, but today what we want to do is sort of introduce the book, like I said, and uh, and I want to give you a little background on sort of why we're starting here. And I think it's because a lot of it is really foundational to the fatherhood journey and a lot of what we're going to be talking about on this podcast. Um, but but rewind a few years and just a little insight for you guys, the listeners, to sort of how this podcast and the idea of faithful fatherhood even came about. Um I, I decided to be a connect group leader at my church a handful of years ago, maybe three or so years ago now. And that's just kind of the small groups that our church does to try to keep keep the intimacy and the relationships and so forth. And and I really felt God tugging on my heart to step up and lead one. I'd, I'd never really done something like that before. And 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 I felt like he he literally said, you know, do something around fatherhood. And this was a time when we were still in the stages of adopting our kids. No, I guess three or four years ago, we had already adopted them, but... Anyway, so I was still kind of in the early stages of my own fatherhood journey and, and decided to lead a group on fatherhood. And, um, and I decided I, I had found this book, Fathered by God, and decided to use it sort of as the cornerstone for what we were going to do in this group. And, and what I want to start with, and, and Perry, I'll ask you the same question I asked them. I remember I got together uh, with a group of a small group of men. I think there were maybe like three or four guys who signed up for this group. And we got together at a coffee shop and, and we're sitting around. I'm like, okay, I'm the leader. Like, what are we going to do? And, and I just felt like to initiate things and start things off, I should ask what I thought was a fairly simple question. And I simply asked the guys, I said, you know, what, what's your fondest memory of your dad? Yeah. Seems pretty easy, right? I mean, right. Like, okay. What's your, And the most interesting and really, I think, transformational thing happened. To a man, they couldn't think of anything. Yeah. Like, they just like looked around and they started thinking and and then they started saying all sorts of bad things. Well, my dad wasn't really there. Or, yeah, my dad was kind of an alcoholic. I didn't know him very well. Or on down the line. And this one guy finally said, well, I do remember this one time my dad, you know, I, I do remember he we went on a canoe trip once. I think it was like at a, a retreat or something. And I remember being in the canoe with my dad and that was pretty cool. Yeah. But then he wasn't really a part of my life much after that, you know? And I was like, okay, this is a fairly small sample size, like me and four other dudes, but one out of five had a pretty good father, me. Like I could come up with a million things to say about fond memories with my father. And so I just, I just sort of realized, you know, sometimes I think we maybe live in our own little bubble or are sheltered or feel like our experience is the way everybody's experiences is. And maybe you listening, you're more like the four out of five and you did not have a good father and you didn't have a lot of fond memories with your father. And you're listening to me and Perry talk. And you're like, man, must have been nice to have a dad. 
And so I get that. And so what we want to do is we want to we want to acknowledge that everybody has a very different experience with their earthly father, and yet we all can have a profound relationship with the true father, the perfect right. father. And that's really, I think, what the book's about. And we never, unfortunately, got much past the first couple of uh, meetings. They, they kind of fizzled out. People stopped showing up. And so I never really got to go through the book with those guys. And so I want to go through it with all of you, the listeners, and Perry. I'm excited to talk yeah. through some of the stuff with you. And so so that's really sort of where this comes from. But let me ask you, Perry, what was your childhood like? Like what's, when you think about your dad, what, what are some of your fondest memories? Sure, absolutely. And, you know, I do, I have great love and adoration for my dad. And, um, but I, I have somewhere on the in-between what seems like your experience and a lot of those guys that you were in the group with, whereas my dad was present, he was always there and he, you know, I never doubted his love for me, but in terms of a father who had this, um, strong initiation relationship with me, that aspect wasn't really there. I mean, he was my soccer coach in high school growing up and we spent time together and all those things. But it's funny that you said when you asked the group that question, what's one of your fondest memories? Everybody was kind of blank for a while. And as I sat and pondered the answer to that question, if I'm completely honest, I was a little blank for a while. Yeah. You know, and it's like, man, that's, you know, that's kind of heartbreaking because I know that my dad loves me. I know that we have spent time together. There were cool things that we did. Um, but there was still a, a void. There was still a lack there, you know? And, and so for me, there was one, there's two things that really came to mind and one was a, a positive and it was this, this minor moment. Um, we're riding in his pickup truck. I don't remember what age I was, but I was, um, young in the boyhood stage. Hadn't really become a, you know, I wasn't a teenager yet. And, a song came on the radio that apparently my dad loved. I'd never heard this song before, but it was shoestrings or something like that. Hmm. And I just remember we we're windows down in his old beat up pickup truck. And he just turned the song up on the radio, cranked it. And my dad just came alive. He's singing, he's happy, he's joyful. Um, and my dad is a man who has really struggled with joy in his life. He's a man who struggled with, uh, wrestled with, you know, the demons of depression in his life, um, wrestled with the demons of apathy in his life. And so, you know, he wasn't a man that had a lot of big passions in, you know, uh, I remember growing up, there wasn't much of that. And so for me to see my dad in this light of all of a sudden from something as simple as a song on the radio, kind of make this transformation to windows down, music pumping, he's singing along, he's just carefree and happy. Yeah, that's cool. That was a really standout moment and me and my dad are just in that space together that feeling of joy and freedom and lightheartedness and and happiness um to be honest there weren't a whole lot of those feelings in my childhood growing up there weren't a whole lot of those shared experiences with my dad and so that one really stands out to me um it it'd be fun i'd love to see if i could track down the, that song i don't know if how i could even find it from some kind of youtube search or or internet search or whatever but that was one of the the big moments that stood out to me with my dad. And it was, you know, I wanted to share that one because it's true to my experience. And then two, to remind all the listeners, like you, you never know what things are going to stick out in your, 
kids' minds, you know, and it might be something as small as the moment of a song on the radio or on Pandora, I guess. (laughs) I don't ever listen to the radio anymore, but it might be something as small and 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 fleeting as that that would have a big impact on your kid's life. So And for you it was seeing him free. It wasn't even like a, a powerful message that he spoke to you. It was more like a man is allowed to be free and easy like that. Yes. Can roll down the windows and sing out loud. That gives me permission to be that way almost. 100%. Yeah, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so I try to make a habit of when a good song comes on the radio or on the the uh, Pandora or on iTunes Music or whatever that we're, we've got connected to the truck. If a song comes on that I love, my kids, I do it without my kids in the car, but especially <laughs> with my kids in the car freaking windows down blasting the music and just jamming yeah um because uh you know i want them to have that part of their lives too and then the second memory that i wanted to share is actually a challenging one um it was a moment of sorrow in my dad's spirit and it was over a time um in the tumultuous time in my life when i was a teenager i was wiling out bro this was the days of smoking weed all the time, surfing on the hoods, uh, the roofs of cars, getting kicked out of school because I got caught with a butterfly knife, you know, expelled my junior year and really taking the, like, see if I have what it takes stage of life in the wrong direction to partying and wiling out and acting crazy. I got caught with weed and I had to sit down in the living room with my mom and dad. And I remember looking at my dad and his and just tears in his eyes, run, you know, tears in his eyes running down his cheeks. And he had this great sorrow about him. And he was burdened over my choices in life. And he was brokenhearted over that. And I remember that. It was very impactful to me. And the the piece of wisdom that my dad gave me in that moment still resounds like in my inner spirit and in my inner man. In, in my mind. And that, that concept was, I don't remember the exact wording, but the basic concept was, well, Perry, the people that you surround yourself with in life are going to have a huge impact on what your life is like. And so he knew that the guys that I was running with were the crowd of partying, you know, breaking rules, breaking the law, you know, all those kinds of things. And that's who my core group of friends were in high school at that time. Little did my parents know I was kind of the ringleader of that. Um, you know, I was the guy who got everybody else to smoke weed the first time with out of our peer groups, out of my friends, you know, but anyway, it was a, there's a resounding truth in that. And there, you know, are a handful of things that are wisdom that my dad has really spoken truth into my life over the years. And that was one of them, you know, who you surround yourself with is going to have a big impact on the quality, the nature, um, the flavor, you know, the, the, the element of what your life is like is deeply connected to who you surround yourself with. Yeah. That's a, a big wisdom truth that my dad gave me in the midst of his brokenheartedness over my choices and in the midst of a, a tumultuous and very conflict-ridden time of me trying to grow into my manhood and deciding who I am going to be and what I'm about and all those things, and, and, and you know, really full of bad choices in my own life. Um, but still, that was, a you know, even in the midst of that brokenness, 
my dad was able to impart that wisdom into my spirit and into my mind and into my life. And it, that's something that still, I, you know, carry with me today in a positive way. It was a positive message, a positive impact, a nugget of wisdom that he was able to bestow on me. And I, I still hold that dear and hold that to be true to this day. So that was an impactful moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's intentional initiation on his part. Um, and let me, let me go back into the book for a moment and sort of talk about really one of the premises I think that John Eldridge talks about is this idea that, um, manhood is a journey of initiation, that we need fathers in our lives who intentionally initiate us, move us through the different stages along the way. And I, and I might I might recap those here in a moment for you. Sure. Um, but to me, that's, that's a powerful moment of him trying to initiate you. And, and here's just a, a rhetorical question, or maybe not a rhetorical question, is what if your dad had been a little more intentional earlier on about sure. that initiation? Would it potentially have saved you some of those wild moments and steered you away from some of the bad influences and so forth early on? Maybe yes, maybe no. Um, that's always a hard thing. We always have to walk out our own paths and our own journeys. Um, but the reason I sort of bring it up is as I think about my my relationship with my dad, I can think of a million on memories and shared times and things like that. But but what I've been realizing as I've been reading the book and just praying about it and thinking about it is there is a difference between just spending time with somebody versus intentionally initiating them, teaching them, showing them the way. And, you know, for a long time, I just sort of felt like, especially early on in my own fatherhood journey, that Time is really all that matters. If I'm just spending time with my kids, if I'm present with my kids, like that's enough. And and I think it's important. Obviously, you can't neglect your kids. You have to be out there with them, shooting baskets and all of those types of things. And I think about you know some of the fondest memories. I, my dad was always the one to drive me to my soccer games. I um I played in a kind of a travel soccer league. I was a pretty good soccer player through about middle school and then everybody caught me and passed me. But, uh, but I, I traveled all over. So he would drive me down to Virginia beach and uh, North Carolina for these soccer tournaments and all this type of stuff. And looking back, I'm like, man, that's, that's some serious dedication on his part. But I just remember we would just listen to oldies yeah, the whole time in the car. Right. So I still, to this day, if an oldie comes on, first of all, I sort of light up. It brings me immediately back to and thinking about my dad. And I know all the lyrics to pretty much, if, if a song was made in the 1960s, I know it. You know, like I know all the lyrics because we just wore it out. I don't even remember any conversations we had. I, for all I know, we just sat in silence for five hours driving to North Carolina. But I just remember oldies playing and stuff like that. So that was um, that was fun. And I mean, he was always at all my games and throwing baseball in the backyard and all those types of things. That's time spent, and I think that that does play into certainly the boyhood phase, some of the childhood, uh, some of the cowboy phase and things like that. Knowing that I was loved, knowing that I was important to him, yeah. it definitely expresses that. But in terms of him actually you know, initiating me and teaching me things and all of that, there wasn't as much of that stuff. Um, yeah. You know, he never... I know nothing about cars. Like he, you know, he, he didn't know how to teach me about cars or changing light bulbs or like any, like there wasn't a whole lot of hands on. Here's how you do this. Here's how you cast a, cast a line. Here's how you bait a hook. Here's like none of that type of, he threw, he, he, I guess he, I guess I need to be, 
be careful on how I say that because he taught me how to throw a spiral. Like he showed me how to throw a football. He showed me the things that he knew, which I guess yeah. is all you could do. Um, but in terms of like being, you know, a spiritual leader in the house or, you know, teaching me all of those types of things. Um, I don't know when I look back on it, maybe, maybe not as much. Um, and so, yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that. Although I will say what's interesting about hearing you say that it's funny how God works sometimes is, uh, the one very distinct, very clear memory I have of, his sort of spiritual leadership in our household. I mean, we, we prayed before meals and all that type of stuff. I remember one day he pulled the whole, like me and my brothers aside, the whole family. He was so excited about this Bible verse he wanted to share with us. Like, he's like this, ver-, like there, he, he, he literally got out the Bible. He's like, guys, there is so much good stuff in here. Like, I don't know if he was just sort of realizing it himself. Maybe he had gone to a Bible study or something. Right. So you, you, you'll never believe how much good stuff's in here. And he goes, I want you to really, and this was, this is sort of why I brought up the question because this was maybe early high school or late middle school. Um, and I'll never forget because the verse is still imprinted in my mind because it was so important to him. First Corinthians 15, 33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. How about that? The exact same message that your dad had to share with you. And man, that stuck with me. So as I went through my high school years, it was like, yeah, the people I surround myself with matters because my dad said so. Yeah. Because the father said so. That's but right. because my dad thought it was important to share that with me. So that's really cool as well. So there have been a few of those moments um, where he's really sort of stepped up and uh, well, I have more to share about ways that I feel like I was initiated by him and ways that I feel like I'm I'm a little untethered right now, actually, um, because of the role or lack thereof uh, that he's playing in my life. So we'll we'll sort of talk about that. But let's talk about that a little bit more, this idea of initiation. And, and maybe we will just kind of recap. So for those of you who haven't read the book yet, obviously, um, John Eldridge does sort of take the the, the journey to manhood and breaks it down into sort of the early years he calls the boyhood phase where the number one driving thing that that we need to feel is loved, like we are the beloved son of our father. And then we sort of move into the cowboy phase, whereas as Perry was talking about, it's like this idea of um, do we have what it takes? And that's when we're exploring and like we're we're pushing our limits and our boundaries and, and so forth. And then we move into the warrior phase kind of in our teenage years into our early 20s where we're we're finding causes to fight for. And this is where we're figuring out what we're passionate about in life and, and all those types of things. And then we sort of move into the king phase, maybe sort of middle age-ish where we're in our careers and we're king of our household and maybe we're married and we finally have some kids and things like that. And then there's the lover phase, which doesn't just mean like the romantic phase with our wives, but just really tapping into the beauty of nature and and poetry and falling in love with the beautiful things of life, really. And then and then sort of the sage stage is in the later years where we get to impart some of our wisdom onto our kids and anybody that we can mentor. Maybe it doesn't have to be our own kids, and we need sages in our own lives to learn from and and sort of show us the way. Then the idea is that we need somebody to initiate us through these stages because if it just happens haphazardly or worse if there's nobody there well that's when things start to break down and that's when we have what he calls unfinished men and so what i would ask you perry is you know what are your thoughts around this idea of initiation and are there areas in your own life where you feel like you are unfinished still 
um, sure. because you haven't maybe been fathered through a certain stage there or not fathered in the way you needed to be, or maybe you were fathered through, but you still feel unfinished in certain ways. I would say you're probably in the king phase of, of life. I, I think I'm probably in the king phase as well. Um, although they mix and blur and sure. I feel like I'm still right. trying to, I'm still trying to explore and have adventures and right. be the cowboy. And, but right. is, maybe that's a question is trying to be a cowboy in my forties a sign of being uninitiated. I don't know. So there's lots there to unpack, but what are your thoughts about some of what I said and this idea of, of being potentially still an unfinished man? Sure. I think really, you know, for me, as I look back over those stages and I agree with you, I think we're both in that, in the King stage right now. And like you said, they do overlap, but as I marinated on that, I think for me, the biggest place I feel uninitiated is in the warrior stage. Um, and it's not that um, I don't have a cause to fight for because I certainly do. And it's, you know, Christ's kingdom. It's Yahweh's path. It's the father's way of doing things. That's my kind of life vision is that, um, you know, relationships matter. God's kingdom matters. Ministry matters. That's kind of the vision. And if however that plays out in my life, whether it's through one-on-one relationship with an employee of mine, whether it's through parenting my children, whether it's through ministering to a total stranger on the side of the street, it doesn't matter. Life's about God's kingdom. And so that really is my main vision and my main passion and my main purpose, um, my quest in life, so to speak, right? So I do feel like I have that. Um, but there's some sense of me, and maybe this is just um, earthly pride, or I don't, you know, I don't know. There's some sense of the fact that I never really felt completely initiated into a warrior in terms of badassery, protector, like actual physical warrior, um, you know, in my life. I never really have had much of an initiation there. And, you know, I, I have trained some like jujitsu. I have done some like physical, like firearms, um, tactical training classes and stuff like that. Some, so maybe there is some sense of, you know, still being fathered by God in that sense of, okay, I'm being brought into this training, but I don't know in my, in my head and in my heart, I kind of want to be like this Navy SEAL level of deadly warrior man, and I, I know, you know, in my head, I'm like, okay, I've got that mindset, but I know in my reality, in my physical capabilities, I haven't had that much training, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely not at that level. Um, but I feel like that's, you know, a place where I still desire more initiation. I still desire more, um, more training. Um, so, yeah. yeah, and I and I would say obviously you're talking about like being a physical warrior, and I know you mean it more, um, you know, or maybe you don't, but I think and, and we're for the listener. This is the whole point. We're going to do episodes specifically devoted to each one of these as we go through the chapters that talk more about this. So, um, what does it mean to be a warrior? How do you become initiated as a warrior, for example? And what does it mean to try to initiate our own kids into the warrior phase? You know, I think I think warrior to me is just more any cause that you're going to fight for anything that you're passionate about. It could be, maybe you decided to be a lawyer and you know, you're a warrior for maybe, maybe you want to um, try to defend and protect 
the oppressed and you're 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 using the law to to do that maybe you're a teacher and your your cause is to fight for the minds of of kids for example and so i think there are lots of ways to be a warrior but uh and, and maybe a loose way of kind of connecting that would be your your career as well um you know the thing that you move into that you think is going to have a positive impact in the world but i will say that that does seem to be an area where there is a pretty big breakdown or at least in my own experience as well sort of the breakdown starts to happen in terms of your dad's involvement you know he's there when you're a boy he's there when you're a God willing, right? So I, I have friends who have lost sure. their fathers early, and and right. that presents its own challenges to to grow up without a father, for example. But my dad was there physically, you know, until I went off to college. But then it's like, okay, but like now what? Now I've sort of have to figure out what am I going to fight for? What am I going to be a warrior for? What career path do I want to go down? How do I transition into? Being an adult, right? We we have that verb adulting. It's like, okay, now I have to kind of grow up. It's time for me to do my own laundry and figure out this world on my own. And I feel like maybe that's an area where sometimes, yeah, we're not we're not fathered the way we need to. And that's where you end up with kid, you know, guys in their late twenties still sitting at home playing video games, or they're still living with mom and dad because they never were fathered into or initiated into that next that next phase. And an interesting thing that he said in the book that I never really thought of is sometimes for men who get married too early as well, they sort of skip over the warrior phase because they never figure out what's important to them and what to fight for on their own. And they end up then adopting their wives' battles too early in life. You know, when did you get married? How young were you when you got married? Yeah. So I think there's certainly a level of uh, application to that in my own story, in my own life. I got married pretty young. I was 22 years old um, and I was out of, I mean, I literally graduated college and then within two weeks got married. Wow. Yeah. And so that's, you know, it was move out of my parents' house, but live in the college dorm room, which, you know, yes, you're on your own. No, you're really not. Um, also, you know, your my parents are still paying for everything. They're, That's right. You know, like all that. I'm still kind of under their umbrella of their house, their household. I'm not really my own man yet. And so there wasn't really a time for me in my own life where I was independent, my own man outside of my parents' household without also being uh, married to my amazing wife, Nancy. Yeah, so, so that that truncated your transition to the warrior phase for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that'll be a fun episode then for us to think more yeah, about when no we get to there. Yeah, because there's going to be some stuff maybe that you still need to be reinitiated, and it's not like we can't go back. You know, we can we can right. we can go back, and we can still, I think, tap into some areas that are still broken in our own lives at whatever stage that might be. Yeah, that's interesting. Absolutely, and that's one of the that's one of the beauties of of God the Father is that He is transcendent through time, and so even though I'm you know, sitting here 43 years old today in the king stage, I've got a business, I've got a family, I've got, you know, this little miniature kingdom that I am in charge of that God has, that God has you know, given me the responsibility over. Um, I can still go back and, and be initiated into the warrior aspect of my soul that may have gotten glanced over, you know, at that at that particular time. Yeah, that's and, exactly right. Life, you know, um, what about for you? What was, you know, 
Yeah, it's it's a good question. Um, it it's so funny. I so often when when I at least read things or I read statistics, I always assume it applies to somebody else. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So it's like those poor those poor suckers who are going to die of heart disease. Like the statistics are hard to, but that doesn't apply to me. Like I don't have to worry about the number of French fries I eat. That's uh, right. You know, and so it's like the same thing. I'm reading this book. I'm like. Oh, these poor, unfathered, uninitiated men that he's talking about. Like, that's not me. Yeah. And then I felt God, like, check my spirit. Like, ask yourself, how are you still uninitiated? Like, oh, good. Yeah. Like, good point. But like, how am I unfinished? How am I uninitiated? Yeah. And there's like lots of, lots of ways, lots of things that have, have sort of come to the surface. Um, and I'd say a few, a few to sort of point to are, my my desire, my natural inclination, still at age forty four, to try to do everything on my own. Yeah, and to try to forge my own path and to try to figure it out. Like in the war, like in I'm the king of my castle, and I'm trying to figure out how to make more money, like on my own. How can I build a bigger business? How can I, I, I? How can I? Well, no, but. What if God, like, what if, or what if I turn to mentors? What if I can find somebody who's gone before me in business to show me like, so those are all in my mind, signs of uninitiation because we're just being an unfinished man because I'm so, I'm so willing to try to figure it out on my own and not turn to others. Are, have you, uh, have you ever read any of the Lee Child books about Jack Reacher or watch the Jack Reacher movies, anything like that? Um, they made they made movies about it. I don't think I've ever actually watched any of the movies, but I got into the books. I mean, they're just kind of yeah, trashy fiction novels. I yeah, mean, they're, I mean, they're they're fine. They're fun to read. I mean, yeah. the type of worry you're explained. I think you'd, you'd resonate with Jack Reacher a little bit. But right. um, but the thing that interestingly sort of attracts me to him as a character the most is that he is just like a lone wolf. Yeah, he's just this man, literally to the point like he, the author takes him to the extreme where he literally owns nothing. He doesn't right. own a house. Like when his clothes get too dirty, he throws them in a trash can because he doesn't like he doesn't carry anything with him. He's just a man on the run. He's just like and then he gets wrapped up in all these adventures and he's fighting for good and he's killing bad guys and he's doing all this type of stuff. And so, yeah, I resonate with that. Right. Um, but I really resonate with this idea of like being out there, a man on my own. Yeah. And it's like, that's broken. It is. Yeah. It's because first of all, we're made for relationships. So what is it yeah. in me still that resists male friendships maybe, or right. somebody showing me the way and somebody moving alongside somebody to help learn and grow. And, and, and I had that with my own father. Um, mm-hmm. But now he's not, He's not there. So why, I don't know, why am I not turning more? And so maybe that's the question then as well is like, okay, now it's time for me to turn more to God the Father. Uh, and that's that's a big part of what I'm getting out of this book. Uh, but other men as well, whether it's getting tapped in more with with guys at my church or just mentors, like I said. And so I don't know. That's um, I don't know what the answer is. Welcome your thoughts on any and all of that. But it's been sort of a wake up call to realize that that deep seated longing is not a healthy one in me. And I think it's a sign of being an unfinished man in a lot of ways.
Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I have some more, but any any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great insight. I think it's great self reflection and or you know, uh, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit revealing that you know light bulb aha moment. Oh, this is something I really used to take pride in. This lone wolf. I'm my self made man. I'm you know here I am charging, figuring things out to this light bulb moment of going, no, 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 that's not God's plan for your initiation. You know, his plan is to initiate you and me himself. Sometimes it's through that just intimate communication with us in our own spirit. And sometimes it's through God being the hands and feet or mouthpiece, you know, through another man speaking that truth into our lives or bringing us into that um, initiation, you know, through a certain process, you know, where someone is a physical human male on earth, God is using them as an instrument for his initiation, um, or our initiation, you know, by him. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in mindset is the key to change, you know? And so as God is revealing to you that, oh, this old, this old mindset of self-made man is flawed. It's a broken mindset. But let's open the doors, you know, and I would say let's, here's a challenge to, to each of us and to all the listeners. Let's really prayerfully consider and actively seek out areas that we've, you know, lacked in initiation in each of the stages and seek out the, the process of initiation to be completed because I really feel that God's desire is for us to be completed men. You That's know, right. he wants to take the brokenness in our lives. He wants to take the, the um, incompleteness within our spirit and mend the brokenness and fulfill the incomplete, you know, aspects of us. And so if we, number one, don't even realize that we're incomplete, Sometimes it's hard to be open to that teaching. And then number two, if we're not actively looking for it, um, sometimes it's it's hard to be taught. You know, it's you can't have a conversation with someone who's not on the other end, um, you know, willing and able and listening. So that's my challenge to eat, to you and I and to, and to the listeners, you know, going forward is let's really be intentional about seeking uh, one enlightenment to where we still need to be initiated and to, uh, you know, prayerfully ask for an open heart to being initiated in those areas. And um, it's a great encouragement. And I echo that completely. And it's important for ourselves, for our own development, obviously. Uh, it's what God wants for us. But in areas we are where we are still unfinished, it is going to be so much harder for us to ever initiate anybody into those stages ourselves. And we have kids. That's so right. if I was never fully initiated as a warrior, yep. to use your example, how are you ever going to initiate your own kids into the warrior phase? That's right. Um, because you don't have the capacity to. Because you've never done you you just That's don't right. know. Like I can't teach right. I can't teach my kids how to bait a hook because I don't know how to do it myself. Right. Yeah. So Anyway, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's good, very good. And yeah. as we again click that subscribe button, stay tuned for future episodes because as we drill into each of these, I think we'll we'll unearth um, some ways. And I think that's what the the book does a really good job of is saying, look, 
it's more common than not that you are not finished in this area, that you are not initiated in this area, that you are broken in this area, but there are solutions and there are ways to get healed and there are ways to, to come through that. So that's really, really cool. Um, and, and, you know, I think, I think maybe we, we've covered a lot of bases. Let's maybe start to wrap this up a little bit, but let me ask sure. you this too. Do you feel like, um, as you look back on your journey to this point, there are other men or other people other than your father who have helped you along the way. And I would say that's okay because our, our earthly father can never teach us everything. He's not, he's not ever going to be perfect. He's not a hundred percent perfect in every stage of everything. You know, I was thinking back, I think I might've mentioned this on the last episode. Um, but my, my kids spent some time with their pops, this summer and he has shown them how to fish and hunt squirrels and do all the things that I can't, I can teach my kids how to throw a spiral and shoot a jump shot and all the things that I know how to do. And at first, and maybe this is again, being a sign of an unfinished, uninitiated man myself, they kind of came back and I was almost jealous. Sure. It was like, I'm supposed to do that. Like they now have something special with their pops that they learn from him that I can't teach them. And, but in fact, I need to be honoring that and excited about that and happy that it takes a village, right? That there are other men who can help initiate them and that that's okay. Right. And that actually the more godly men they can have in their lives, the better. And I'll play the role that I can play, but I don't have to be this like omnipotent present in their lives. First of all, that's for God. And second of all, it's okay if their pops is there. I want him to be there and their uncle and their... And so I would ask you, has there been really anybody else in your own life that you can look back on and say, yeah, that, that man mentored me or that, that I learned something from, from that father, other father figures in your life? Sure. Um, and before I answer that question, I want to piggyback on what you were just saying in terms of becoming okay with their pops teaching them these things. You know, we don't, we certainly don't want to strive for complacency or apathy, but we also need to be able to be released and go, okay, I'm, it's not my role to be the omnipotent, always present, always there aspect into my children's lives. It's okay that I'm, I can't teach them everything, right? right. Because I don't know everything. Yeah. And so I want to make sure there's not any listeners out there that are getting overwhelmed by going, oh my gosh, I have to learn how to I know. throw a spiral. I have to learn how to be a mechanic. <laughs> I have to learn how to fish. I have to learn how to hunt. I have to learn how to, um, you know, do jujitsu. I have to, you know, you don't have to learn all these things, right? So that's not our place to teach our children absolutely everything, right? Um, and so I think there's a sense of, okay, relax a little bit, dad, you know, like relax a little bit, follower of Christ. Our role is to follow Jesus and pour into our kids the best that we can. Do we always want to be improving and growing and becoming better? Absolutely. Do we always want to be intentional? Absolutely. Um, But yeah, so, and then one of the things that my wife and I are looking at doing, and I know this isn't exactly the answer to that question, but it, it kind of transitions. Um, we're looking at hiring and, and putting our kids in positions of internship into things that they're very passionate about. For instance, my oldest son is very into taxidermy. And so we're seeking out a professional taxidermist that can bring our son JP in as a, as an intern, as a, Pro, you know, whatever you call yeah, it, an apprentice, and really, he, an apprentice. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Thank you. 
as an apprentice and he can teach him that craft and that trade. Hey, this, let me show you. Cause right now he's doing YouTube videos. He's doing instructionals, you know, and it's not the same as a man who knows taxidermy to take him in and show him these things as the apprentice. So, but anyway, in terms of my own life, there's certainly been other men that have, that God has used to come alongside uh, my life and show me those things. Um, one of them is my father-in-law. He's, um, you know, taught me things like construction, um, taught me things like fishing, you know, all the, you know, there's things that my dad didn't necessarily take me in and initiate me into those um, types of man knowledge um, skill sets. My father-in-law has done that, you know, for sure. And that's been an amazing journey. Um, Yeah. I had as a very young man, right out of college, I, like I said, got married. And then I was working for uh, the Young Life organization. I was on the Young Life staff in an area, Brevard, um, leading that area. Um, and there was a, a, a mentor and friend of mine, Gary Hudak, who really took me under his wing and, you know, um, and initiated me into the act of ministry. You know, how do we, how do we pursue um, building relationships with, you know, high school students. If you're not familiar, Young Life is an outreach ministry that reaches um, un, the unchurched, um, and it is for high school kids predominantly. So he really initiated me. This is what it looks like to show up at the school, show up in their world, show up at the basketball games, become a soccer coach, do these things so that you can build relationships with these kids and then present Christ to them in a, in a ministry state. So that was a major initiation uh, point in my life. And then another dear friend of mine, uh, Rick Brewer, who has been a pastor most of his life. Um, He's a chaplain currently, um, but there was a huge sense of initiation with him in terms of what does it look like to, uh, you know, do discipleship one-on-one with another, um, with another, you know, brother, with another follower of Christ, because he was pouring that discipleship into me and we were doing a lot of one-on-one mentoring, discipling praying together. We, we would spend, um, oftentimes just very, you know, sometimes we'd get together for an hour and we would just pray together, you know, the whole time. And I've never had, I've never done that with any other person besides Rick. And he's been a big influence in my life and God has really, you know, used him to say, well, this is what it looks like to be a mentor to, uh, you know, another man in, in terms of, um, the spiritual disciplines and studying scripture and prayer and things like that. So those have been all really cool uh, areas where, um, you know, my father didn't have those specific initiations with me, but God, the father, my heavenly father filled those voids. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I haven't had very many. I, I've really struggled to come up with other, other mentors and father figures in my own life. That's not to say that I haven't had, I mean, had a high school teacher who was impactful in terms of teaching me how to write and think. He was probably the best teacher I ever had. And that's valuable. Um, I wouldn't say he necessarily taught me a ton of life lessons or initiated me into anything profound in terms of my career or anything like that. But I did learn how to write from him and uh, and think and some things. And so there's definitely value there. I'd say my youth pastor in high school, though, was probably had the biggest influence um, just because he was like just a cool, normal dude. And it was sort of the first, he, he sort of basically just taught me that it can be cool to follow Jesus. Like it's okay 
when you're in high school to like follow Jesus and you can still go and hang out and have fun and be a normal teenage kid and follow Jesus. And so he, I mean, he, you know, he's, he, he's the first person who sort of got me excited about uh, really trying to connect with God and, and read the Bible and all those types of things. So he was definitely influential uh, during a fairly short period of my life. Um, and I would say, you know, you have to fast forward really to today. I didn't have a whole lot, I don't think, of, of mentors or other father figures in, in sort of over the last decade or two, um, which is, uh, I think, a big, a big gap uh, in, in my own life, and my own initiation. Um, but I will say kind of where I find myself now and on a, on a more serious note for those listeners who may not know, you know, my dad now is, is getting more advanced in age and unfortunately he's dealing with dementia. And so at a time when I should be looking to him as my sage, yeah. he's not there to be a sage. Yeah. Um, I think about my brother who is a lawyer in large part to follow in my dad's footsteps. My dad was a very, very well-respected, very successful lawyer, fighting for good, had causes, did, did good things in his career. And my brother, I know, feels the... Um, just the the hole that's there because he's at a time when he should be soaking up all my dad's knowledge and like, let's share war stories and teach me sure. about the law. And my dad's just not there to be able to do that for him. I would have a very different relationship with my dad because I'm not a lawyer, but there are things he could teach me about marriage and being a father. And we actually just celebrated their, you know, his 50th wedding anniversary of my mom, which is really cool. Uh, this past weekend, um, shout out mom, mom and dad, but but, you know, we basically had to ask my mom all the questions about, you know, what led to a successful marriage and how did you stick together for 50 years? But like, I want to hear my dad's answers to those things, yeah. you know, and and so he's just not able to be a sage. And so, man, I'm just finding myself really convicted that I just need to lean on God so much more in this stage yeah. of my life. As I'm a as I'm a as I'm a king trying to figure out the kingship, I can find other earthly mentors to help me in my career paths and things like that. Still need to turn to God, but just for the sage and the wisdom and the proverbs and just like just pouring wisdom and insight into me, um, I need to find other sages and and it's gotta be, it's gotta be God first and foremost. And so I think there's opportunity there, you know, in some ways it's kind of almost as a closing thought. I know we're, I'm getting a little long winded on the back end of this, this episode, but I almost wonder if, because my dad, my earthly dad, was so present in my life and did a good job, I think, of initiating me through the first few stages. I never needed to rely on God to the extent that maybe I could have. Sure. Does it make sense? It almost like I I didn't need to turn to anybody else. Sure. But now that my dad's not as present, it's an opportunity to circle back and rely on God more in a way that maybe I didn't learn to earlier on in my life. And now I have the opportunity to circle back to that. So I don't know, just kind of a, a closing thought as I've been thinking about and praying about uh, this episode and just the book in general. So, yeah, that's, that's a great thought. And I'd love to piggyback on that as how we as present and intentional and engaged fathers can almost mitigate that to some extent, right? Because that's our goal. We want to be the best dad possible, but we don't want to, by being the best dad, initiate our kids into not leaning into God the Father. That's right. Right? That's right. 
And maybe as we strive to be the best dad, part of that process becomes, hey, son, let me initiate you into this. Let me teach you this. And the first step of that initiation is we're going to both together go to God the Father and, hey, we're going to just say a quick little prayer. Hey, son, let me let me show you this, right? Let me teach you this. And the first step of this is, Lord, God, you know, Heavenly Father, show us what we need to learn. Yeah. You know, whatever, whatever the situation might be, if it starts with, if our initiation with our sons, if our teaching with our sons starts with a humble seeking to the Father, then we are training them, we are conditioning them, we are building them up in the practice of when you go to do something, seek God the Father first. You know what I mean? And yeah, then we still, we can still show them the thing, right? Here's how you do this. But, you know, that's just an insight that kind of came as you were talking about that. Um, and I appreciate you sharing that and being vulnerable in that way. Um, but that's something that kind of initially or immediately, you know, I think God put on my heart in this moment to say, well, here's how we can, here's how we can deal with that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. Just one funny story to, to wrap things up. Uh, when we first took custody of our boys, um, they they call their grandmother Ga G A. Okay. okay. <laughs> and I had uh, my cousin Jake. Jake, if you're listening to this, maybe you'll remember this story. <laughs> he came over to visit or whatever. And my kids were still young, like literally three and five years old, and they talked about God nonstop. God bought me these shoes. God this. God that. <laughs> And he heard God in his mind. He's like, you have the most religious kids I've ever seen in my life. Like, <laughs> so anyway, but that's, that's, but that's, awesome. that's maybe the goal. Uh, but anyway, yeah. um, no, not, not religious kids, but kids that turn to Jesus. Um, yeah, that's right. All right. So anyway, fun conversation, Perry, as always. Uh, hopefully you guys are excited to, to read the book, think about some of these things, think about ways that maybe you are uninitiated, and let's heal some of that in future episodes. Uh, real quick as we wrap up, we usually do this at the beginning, but this is only episode two, so we're not quite in our rhythm yet. <laughs> and uh, and we just got talking and sort of skipped over this stage. We like to share our small wins from the week. So Perry, just maybe really quickly uh, a win that you had in your own fatherhood journey this past week. Yeah, so mine is that my 14-year-old son asked me to go fishing with him last night at the dock. You know, he um to me that's a big win because frankly in the teenage years they don't always want to hang out with us anymore. And so we were sitting around the back deck, you know, actually no we were sitting watching an episode of Life of the Zero and JP comes up and he goes, "Hey dad, you want to go fishing down at the dock with me?" And I said, yes, I do. I'd love to do that. So the quick win is twofold. You know, um, one, that my son still wants to hang out with me. That makes me feel really good. Um, and two, that my my initial heart's response was yes. Because I have to be honest, sometimes it's like, no, I don't want to go do that thing. Um, but it was fun for my the genuine response, knee-jerk to be yes, I want to go do that with you. Um, so we had a great time and, um, he caught, I don't, I don't know if a picture on my phone will show up. Uh, he caught six trout last night 
and was ecstatic. I don't know if that shows up or not. Not really. I can see the the outline of large fish. Kind of see the fish, right? Yeah, yeah. There's my son, the fisherman. Um, and then this is what I caught. Uh, come on, come on, come on. There it is. There it is. That's a hand. You see my oh, hand? Yeah, yeah. I do. Super small. Yeah, that's the story of me and JP fishing together. That's really he, funny. He has the gift of fishing, and I do not. Um, so yeah, we went fishing at the dock last night, and he caught a bunch of trout, and I caught, you know, he caught a bunch of fifteen inches. You caught a little minnow that you could use to bait his hook the next time. Hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. We had a great time. We stayed out late. You know, we didn't get back until like eleven o'clock, and we had a great time. Yeah. So how about that's you? Cool. What about love that story? Me? Yeah, I love that story. Um, mine, interestingly, I mean is I got away with my wife for the weekend to celebrate our anniversary. And we were actually down in your neck of the woods, um, Chimney Rock. We uh, cool. we did Chimney Rock, Lake Lore, just to celebrate our anniversary. We try to make a big deal out of our anniversary every uh, every year because we just we think it's important to celebrate that every year that we, uh, we stay married is a good thing. And uh, anyway, so, um, but the reason I'm bringing that up is my win for the week with respect to fatherhood is because I have found that the more connected I am with my wife, the more in tune I am with the, my wife, the better father I am. Yeah. That when I'm in periods of strife with my wife or if we've had a fight or something like that, then I take it out of my, I don't take it out of my kids, but it's easier to be short with my kids and things like that. So to me, it was a good opportunity to come back refreshed. I will find, you know, I found that over the past couple of days that we were back, I've been patient with my kids. I feel like I've been more present with my kids. And I think it stems from having spent a couple of days alone with my wife. So that's, I think, an interesting dynamic. Um, that's awesome. We were able to talk about some things. We try not to just talk about our kids when we get away alone. So we just tried to just connect the two of us. Um, but we did spend a little bit of time thinking about how, how to parent uh, one of our kids uh, in a certain way, something that he's we're wrestling with with him, and so we talked through that a little bit and sort of had some resolution on how to move forward there. And so, so you know, it does have direct application to to fatherhood, but um, but more so just just generally connecting with her helps yeah. my fatherhood. So that's anyway. amazing, cool. Uh, so there we go, uh, episode two of the Faithful Fatherhood podcast in the books. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, and like I said, we'll we'll continue to move through the book. We don't have a set agenda, or we're gonna, re- but we are gonna try to go in order as we get guests lined up. We have some some people in mind to talk about each of these stages of the masculine journey with, and I will say that you know if you all of them are relevant because let's say your kids are older. Maybe your kids are grown and out of the house. Well, you don't have to like wait around till the sage phase to figure out how to be a sage. Because again, as Perry suggested, what if there are still some unhealed areas in your own life from way back from your boyhood journey in your own life, you know? And so, so I think there are going to be things for all of us to learn in all of these stages. So I'm excited about that. And then we've got lots of other stuff to talk about with respect to fatherhood as well. So stay tuned for the next episode of the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. But for now, I am signing off. Take care. Perry, any final thoughts? Uh, just a gratitude of, you know, I just want to say thanks to everybody listening to the podcast. We're, we're grateful that you would share your time with us. We're grateful that you would share your journey with us. We're grateful that you would um, have a heart to be the best father you can be. And really, in order to be the best father you can be, you've got to be the best man you can be. So, you know, my encouragement is to um, seek the Lord first, of course, and uh, allow him to finish the fathering process in you. 
uh, the, the initiation process into your manhood. Uh, because the more you can become initiated in your own completeness and your own manhood, then you're going to have the capacity to pour into your own sons, your own daughters, um, you know, younger men that you may have influence over, um, influence in their lives. So just, yeah, I just always want to express gratitude for people showing up and joining us. Uh, time is valuable, so we're really thankful when you um, give your time uh, to spend it with us through this process. So thanks for being here. Thanks for going along the ride with us. And uh, thanks for your commitment to moving forwards and growing and, and, and becoming the best version of yourself. And, um, you know, of course, thanks to Yahweh for, um, you know, his fathering of us and his commitment to completing uh, the journey in each of us. So, yeah, good times. And um, I'm looking forward to the next episode for sure. Well said. Amen. All right, guys, take care. Have a great week. And we will talk with you again soon. Bye, everyone. Oh,